Hello, everyone. On today's episode, we have Taylor Scott. Taylor Scott is the founder of Lead with Hospitality, LLC, an organization that works to shape the leaders of tomorrow by inspiring them to give their heart to their employees and to their company. He has held numerous roles prior to starting his company, including Senior Sales Manager at Walt Disney World, Director of Red Card at The Wynn in Las Vegas, and Director of Membership at the Cosmopolitan Hotel. He's also a published author who just released a book called Lead with Hospitality. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Hotelier Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Rowe. And I'm your co-host, Teo Bielan. With us today is our distinguished guest, Mr. Taylor Scott. Taylor Scott, how are you doing? Doing all right. Thanks for having me up here. Of course, of course. So first question I want to ask you is, you recently come out with a book, Lead with Hospitality. And for all our listeners who aren't really familiar with it, do you want to give us a little rundown of it and how the creative process that went behind making the book? Sure, absolutely. It started out with a, as, as, as a passion project, actually. Believe it or not, back in, in 2018, I had just come off of, um, you know, almost a 20-year career working in hospitality and um, all the different jobs I've had, all the different companies I've worked for. My favorite part about all those jobs were, were times when we got together with our fellow leaders and we talked about the stuff that mattered in leadership development workshops. And I love to go to conferences and listen to keynote speakers. And so for years, I was like, I wonder how I can figure out how to do that for a living. And so over the course of several um, months that turned into years, I started blogging. I started blogging about just cool topics about mostly about people and people going an extra, you know, doing a little something extra for other people. And, and then it just kept going and, and I started writing about leadership and uh, I wrote a book called ball games to boardrooms, leadership, business, and life lessons from our coaches. We never knew we needed. Cause I was a, I was a basketball guy growing up in Kentucky and I walked on division two down at Florida Southern college. And, and so I, I wanted to try to write a book that, you know, for my first attempt, I wanted to do something I knew a lot about and I was passionate about, and that was leadership and sports. And so I wrote that book as a self-published project, and wow. it was awesome. Like, 12 people bought the book. My mom, my dad, <laughs> uh, some friends. No, it, it, it was a great first attempt. But then I wanted to do another one, but I wanted it to be actually published. And so this one, Lead with Hospitality, started out again as a passion project, and then actually the pandemic. The pandemic is what gave it a violent shove into a real attempt at a project. And so it was actually during the pandemic, I had just gotten let go, laid off uh, because pandemic. I was working for a small boutique consulting firm based in Las Vegas, and most of our clients were hospitality-related um, businesses and organizations. And so anyway, I ended up sending this manuscript to a few people, and um, one of them was kind enough, John Gordon. He's a Cornell grad. Not a hotelie, but a Cornell grad, I think from the uh, engineering school. And he's a very public, very famous and successful published author. He wrote the book The Energy Bus and, and 22 or 23 other books. And so anyway, he was kind enough to send this manuscript to his former publisher that he had when he was at Wiley. And this guy, Matt Holt, had just left Wiley and started his own imprint at Ben Bella Books. And, and so... Um, and so that's really started the process to make this thing go from like a Word document to, a, to an actual book. But the spirit of it is, is really just all those things that over those years working in hospitality that I was like, why is it that we love some leaders so much? Why is it that we love so, uh, some brands more than others? 
And the more I would research, the more I would read about it, I really I found out some things. Right. And so I put them all to paper. And so there's four parts to the book. And, and I started a business out of this called Lead with Hospitality LLC. And the four parts of the book are also the values of, of our business, which is connect, serve, engage, inspire. And so the, I'll let everybody take a look at the book and, and read it on your own, but it kind of goes in order. We have to connect and serve people before we can successfully engage, coach, and inspire them. If anybody's ever led people, and I know Teo comes from sports as well, um, when you try to coach and inspire people before you've successfully connected with them on a human level, it, it doesn't work. It often falls flat. And so this is about, as a leader, treating people we lead, treating people we work with and we serve, just like all of us who love hospitality, with that same heart for hospitality that we serve guests and, and our clients and our customers is imagine leading people with that same love in your heart. And that's what this is all about. So the, if you initially look at the title of the book, it seems like, you know, lead with hospitality, but there's something more to it, right? The actual word lead itself is an acronym. Is that correct? Yeah. And good. Glad you picked up on that. Yeah. We, we, one of our, one of our, um, we call them live learning experiences and one of those is called leadership as a service. And so it's our take on, on servant leadership. And so we came up with listen, educate, act, and deliver. Yeah, so if you think about, like, like think about your favorite leaders you've ever had. And for our listeners, think about your favorite professor, your favorite teacher, your favorite um, leader, if, you, if, you, if you're working right now or if you've worked, you know, back home or if you do, uh, think about your summer internships. Those leaders that you like better than most other leaders probably were people who listened with empathy. They're probably people that would stop their day. They would stop. They would put their agenda on the side, um, and they would, like, take the time to educate and coach you and, and help you develop. And there were probably people that, like, you always notice taking action. Like, the, our favorite leaders are always active and accountable in their role as a leader. And those favorite leaders you've ever had, if you think about it, they probably always delivered for you. They delivered the information, the tools, the resources that you need. And they always delivered an experience. And so that's the way we look at leadership as a service to those we lead. Listen, educate, act, and deliver. Interesting. So in the book and kind of what, you've, what, you, what, I, what I've seen you talk about a lot is the difference between you know, emotional intelligence and actual intelligence at IQ level. How do you think these things correlate? Do you need one before the other? Or how does that work? Great question. Yeah, there's IQ and there's EQ. So IQ... Um, I didn't know this until I did my, my career switch, you know, going from being a leader and, and then a leader of leaders and, you know, working for Disney World, Disneyland, and a couple places in Las Vegas, Wynn and Encore, as well as the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Um, and then I did my career switch and started getting into, into this, whatever it is this is called I'm doing now, author, speaker, consultant, whatever it is. And the first thing I did, I worked for a guy, um, that consultancy in Las Vegas, and he's like, all right, if you want to start your own business, if you want to do this, you got to know these these principles backwards and forwards because you have to create your own experiences. You have to create whatever, if you're crafting a keynote or if you're crafting a leadership development experience, you got to know. So he made me read all these books. And so one of the first things I, I actually realized and, and learned was the difference between IQ and EQ. And so what I didn't realize is that I, do y'all know this? Our IQ, our intelligence quotient is set by the time we're like seven years old and it never changes. But EQ, emotional intelligence, we can continue to 
improve and we continue to develop it over time. All we have to do is be intentional and purposeful about wanting to develop it. So that's the main big difference. And then there's a, there, there's a couple things I also picked up. Like there's a couple of like really good quotes that really stuck out to me. And I want all of the hotel community to, to just hear this. There's a quote by Daniel Goleman, who is kind of like back in like 95, 96, he started like actually, he's like the godfather of emotional intelligence. And one of the things he says is that IQ will get you the job, but EQ will make you a star. Because emotional intelligence are these four, four things, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, that's our empathy for other people, ability to read the room. And then you put all three of those together and you get relationship management. So think about it. Think about those leaders again that you've had, whether they're a teacher, a professor, or a coach, or, or a leader in like a job or a summer job. The people that were self-aware of how they come across to other people, the people that were able to self-manage and remain calm even when things got dicey and things got frustrated, and the people that were able to read the room and actually have empathy and seek to understand how you might be feeling and what you might be thinking about certain situations, those are the people that were literally like our favorite leaders. And so that's one thing I want to make sure the hotel, hotel community right now, like you can start right now, start being intentional and, and, and recognizing opportunities to become more self-aware. Like what are your strengths and what gets on your nerves? What gets you excited? Be self-aware about that, about yourself. And then, and then practice self-managing, even when things are frustrating, even when things are getting on your nerves. Practice being able to just take deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth. And, and, and we can actually rewire the circuitry in our brains to not, like, freak out and, like, say stuff we don't mean or say stuff or do things we regret. And then this, the social awareness thing, the, the empathy. Like, I didn't realize empathy is actually a skill just like all these other leadership skills. So those are like the, 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 the big ones that I was like, oh my goodness, I wish I knew this 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and that is why I do what I do today. Because I look at you guys, man. I, I come up to school for the last couple years, and I work. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I love coming back here because I'm kind of on a mission now, and my purpose is to, is to help up-and-coming leaders as well as seasoned leaders that might be frustrated or getting down and I just want to share with them all these things I've learned from Disney and working in Vegas and things I learned here at the hotel school. Um, I just put it all in a book and I, I created these experiences and I'm just, I'm just on a mission to just give it to people. Amazing. I think one of my favorite quotes, the ones that you provide in your book, it was actually, I think it was the last sentence in your book in the conclusion. And it's by Maya Angelou. And it says, people, who remember, or people won't remember what you said or did, but they will remember how you made them feel. 100%. And I love that because we've all been in those in those situations where, you know, like there, there are hot emotions. People made you upset or there's something going on in your life, personal or, you know, business related. And you might have said something that you didn't mean to happen. And at the end of the day, like everyone does that. And it's having that, you know, emotional intelligence to understand like, yes, that was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. Or at least you should apologize and, you know, move forward with it. And also it's on the receiving end. Like also understand that, if, you know, if Teo said something mean to me today, I also have to think about, like, what's going on in his life. It, does, did he miss a plane today, or is he, does he have an exam coming up? Things like that. And I, and I love that idea because it's not just all about intelligence. I love that aspect of, you know, intelligence that IQ will get you a job. But to actually stay in there and continue in there and to do, make an impact and to make connections with the people you're working with, it's all about the emotional aspect. 
It really is. Yeah. It really is. And there's a there's another kind of like my spin on it too is like IQ will it might get you in the door, might get you the job. But check this out. A lack of emotional intelligence can get you fired. Mm. <laughs> so that would be not good. Like that that's not that right. That's obviously not why we all wanted to come here and study here and get a degree here and be a part of this network. Um, and unfortunately, I've been on that side of the fence. I've been let go. I've been fired. And most of the time, it can be traced back to a lack of emotional intelligence. And again, that's why I do what I do today. I don't want you guys, those of you that I do know, and, I, and even the people I don't know, uh, I don't want anybody to go through those frustrations that, that I've, I've gone through and many people have unfortunately been on that, that side of, the, of that phone call or that side of the desk when you get let go. Absolutely. And if you can grow or improve upon your EQ skills, what advice do you have for students on how to do that? Good question. It's just, it's about being intentional. I know that's a buzzword and we hear it a lot, but it's a buzzword for a reason. And, and just think about intent, like be very purposeful and intentional about those four components, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. Um, and just know, like, like just, if, if nothing else, just know, start right now and know that even if you, are not good at one of those four, it's okay. It's okay to not be okay because we don't have to stay that way. There are ways that we can get better at all four of those. And I have several of those things in my book, those, those, those tactics and those, um, those, those proven techniques to help you improve. But there's also a million other books that you can look into. Like I would highly recommend everybody do like, like look up Travis Bradbury. Um, he started Talent Plus and there's a book that he has called Leadership 2.0. And it's one of those that, you know, in the back, there's a, there's a link and a code. So you can, once you buy the book, you can go on to their website and you can take an assessment. And it will give you a score for each of those four components of emotional intelligence. And what I love about that book is you can take the assessment, look at where you, where, what your um, scores are grade in, and then look at the one that maybe you have an opportunity to improve. Well, you just go to the book and you flip to the, that, that chapter, and he really has really simplified ways that we can all practice and get better at those things. If I were you all right now and everybody listening – how old are y'all? 19, 20, 21? 19, yeah. If I was 19, 20 again, that's what I would want somebody to have told me when I was 19 and 20. Because I bet if somebody told me that and was just real and a human being and said, look, I've screwed up a bunch of times, and usually it was <laughs> because of a lack of one of those components of emotional intelligence, I have a feeling that, that, that the 15, 20-year career I just did, it might have been much different and it might have been much better. And so I want that for all of you. That's great. Thank you so much for that. I'm curious. You've traveled all around the country. You know, you're doing these leadership trainings for companies, organizations. I'm just curious to, to I want, what's the most notable example of someone or a company displaying just a notable act of high-level emotional intelligence? That's a great question, man. I've worked with some really cool, really cool companies at, at really cool times in their journey. Um, so let me see if I can pick one that, that will answer that question the best. Um, I, 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 let's talk about it on like the organizational level. So one of my biggest clients is United Airlines. Very cool. And it's been amazing. Like I never dreamed I'd be like... <laughs> 
this in deep and and fall in love this much with an airline because I'm a hotelie. Right. Yeah, I'm a hotel guy, and I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be president of Walt Disney Company. You know, I wanted to be a GM or a president of a Vegas property or something like that. That's what I thought. You know, was my when it going to be my destiny and and so to have, have been working with United Airlines since um, late 2018. And, and really in 2019, I was still working for another guy who had a contract with them. And then during the pandemic, they started contracting with me directly. And the reason I bring them up is they're still in a culture change. And culture changes take like at least seven years, seven, eight, nine years sometimes. And so at an organizational level, that was one where United back, you know, 11, 12 years ago, United merged with Continental Airlines. So you had United and Continental, both huge airlines. Well, they merged, and it's a big old airline. <laughs> and so what you had was you had all these people that had grown up in one or the other cultures. And so the CEO at the time, Oscar Munoz, that's how I'd answer your question, is that guy, and here's why, that that guy came in as the CEO, and the first thing he did was he just told everybody, here, here's, here's a self-awareness thing. He's like, look, I've been, he was on the board and the board basically said, Hey, could you come be CEO? And it was because of who he was because of the human being that he is still today. Um, and the Oscar came in and the first thing he said was, we got We got to build some trust is we have people that come from both sides. Um, and nobody gets along, nobody trusts each other. And so they spent all kinds of money, all kinds of time, all kinds of resources to literally boil down their culture to who they wanted to be and who they wanted to become. And so for me, that was like an amazing thing of like a a display of emotional intelligence at an organizational level for especially a CEO to come in and go, look, we have not done a good job at these things. And he was just honest about it. And then he was like very vulnerable. And he's like, I want us to like each other. Like I want us, I want people to come here to work and love it. And he, and what they did was they made simple thing. They made caring, caring, caring for people, whether it was each other employees or their customers and their clients, they made caring cool again. Like they made caring, not just a suggestion, not just a recommendation, but they made it the expectation. And so they have what they call the core four safety, caring, dependable, and efficient. And for years and years and years and years and years in the airline industry, it was all about dependable and efficient. To be on time, let's make sure we're you know, safe always has been and always will be the, the number one for, for all of us in, in anything we do, especially airlines. Because it's, it's, it, it, it can get really dicey and literally life and death quickly. And so everybody has to have a focus on safety. But what they did was they said, caring is going to leapfrog dependable and efficient in terms of the hierarchy of how we make decisions and how we and and how we um how we take action. And was that a difficult transition? They're still in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been like 5 years. And so it's a it's cool to be a part of that. Um and so we're taking the lead with hospitality mindset and we're taking the lead with hospitality content that that we've created and and um integrating it into their culture and something called leading with core 4. So leading with um, the mindset to make sure that everybody feels safe with me as your leader and with each other. Everybody stays safe. Everybody goes home the way they came in in terms of safety, 
like physical safety, and then there's psychological safety, and then all of the caring stuff is really what we come in and we help them with, is getting leaders to have a mindset shift from being a transactional leader to being actually what we call a connected leader. Wow. So you talk about this idea of making people feel a certain way, to be able to do their job, this idea of welcome, comfortability, and important. You know, this, these three words come up in your book over and over and over again. Why are they so important, and what what is behind these three words? Great question. Yeah, I was. Um, it was twenty one. What is now twenty? It was almost twenty two years ago. I was on the opening team of Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center in Orlando, and um, they brought in a guest. I was a housekeeping manager for the opening of that property, and they brought in a guest speaker, and, and the dude was from Cornell. <laughs> I wish I could remember who it was, but I, I don't. I just remember I was. 21 or 22 year old me. And I was sitting in this, like, um, you know, the, the, the GM brought in the guest speaker and it was all the salaried leaders. We were sitting in the lobby and it set up like a, you know, theater, but the backdrop of this dude doing his talk was the atrium of Gaylord Palms resort and convention. It was awesome. Y'all ever been to a Gaylord hotel? Very beautiful. They're awesome. They're like Vegas hotels plopped down in the middle of Kissimmee and Dallas and DC and now Denver. Anyway, this dude said, friends, let me tell you something. Whether you're in hospitality for the next two years or the next 20 years, I want you to remember the essence of hospitality is the ability to make people feel welcome, comfortable, and important. And I just remember sitting there. I was, I was a year or two older than you guys are right now. And I remember sitting there being like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Because I want to do that. I want to make people feel welcome, comfortable, and important. And then I go on and I go to all these places and I work at Disney World and Disneyland and Las Vegas. And I open three more hotels after that. Disney's Pop Century Resort on the opening team. Encore at Win Las Vegas as the, on the opening team. I was the director of the loyalty marketing program there. And then I went and was the director of the loyalty marketing program at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas for the opening of that property. Then I went back to Disney, but at Disneyland. And I led the sales team at Disney Vacation Club based at the Disneyland Resort and where I led, you know, I led those people that do sales and they sell time, Disney's version of timeshare. And the reason I say all that is after that dude said that back in 2002, right before we opened, I spent the next 20 years working for different leaders, different companies, big and small. And I'm here to tell you, the essence of true hospitality is, in fact, the ability to make people feel welcome, comfortable, and important. But the essence of true transformational leadership, like dynamic transformational leadership, is also the ability to make people feel welcome, comfortable, and important. And that's what this book, and that's what this movement, that's what this platform, that's what this message is all about, is this simple thing of we can't move people into action. We, 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 we can't move people into action until we first move them with emotion. So that's a John Maxwell quote, and it goes back to the Maya Angelou quote as well. They won't remember what you did. They won't remember what you said, but they will remember how you made them feel. So this is about, as a leader, just being human and emotionally connecting to those people that you lead and those people that you work with and those people for whom you do it and then serving people selflessly. And when you do that, you will make people feel around you welcome, comfortable, and important. And those are the leaders. Those are the brands that are doing some really game-changing stuff out there. And that's also the leaders that, are, that have the most meaning and purpose and joy in their lives. And that's what I want for all of you. Hmm. So hospitality has been an integral part of your life, of your life, and hopefully our lives as well here at the hotel school. So 
what do you what do you say to the business leaders out there that don't have you know this hospitality background that are more in like the the business world? How do you think they could adapt and use some of the practices that we learn through hospitality? Yeah, that's another great question. You know, I kind of grew up professionally at Walt Disney World. You know, every summer in undergrad, I did the internship, the Walt Disney World College Program, and and I, it was cool because you would, you would work. They called it living, learning, and earning. So you go there and live in apartment complexes with a bunch of other college students. It was awesome from all over the country, all over the world. And then you'd you'd um, you'd go to like Disney University and do like go to work, be a participant in workshops and stuff. And you'd learn how Disney does stuff and their mindsets and how they approach things. Uh, then you, then the earning piece was you had a job and you'd go your hourly cast member somewhere. And I did I did all different kinds of um, lines of business. But um, there's a Walt Disney quote that I learned when I was about your all's age one of my first or second internships at Walt Disney World. And there's a Walt quote that says, you can build, create, and design the most beautiful place in the world, but it takes people to make the dream a reality. I've just always loved that, and I never forgot it. And for people that are business leaders or in business, maybe they're listening to this right now and you're at the business school, or, or maybe you're in another school here at Cornell, and if you want to be a leader, if you want to be, everybody, everybody wants to be the boss, and then it's a different thing to actually be a leader. And if you want to successfully lead people, then you have to be able to do the people part really well. And I remember being like, even when I got out of undergrad, um, I worked for like seven years before I came back to here to do my graduate work as an MMHer at the hotel school. And uh, I, I remember being like, you know, in the first five, six years of my career at Disney World. And I would always ask executives. I would always ask, always ask VPs and directors. I'd be like, "What takes up most of your time? Like, what do you? What, what, what is it about your job that you find yourself having to do most frequently?" And time and time and time and time again, they you know what they would tell me. Even if it was like a VP of like sales, like fan, I'm talking like fancy roles, you know, they'd be like leading people every time. They'd be like managing people, man. Things like feedback and staying connected and meeting with people one-on-one and finding out what makes them tick, what makes them get inspired and how best to motivate them. You can't do it without people. Absolutely. And and you mentioned the the idea of everyone wants to be the boss, right? And I think a lot of students at Cornell and the hotel school, they, you know, if they want to go into operations, they kind of want to jump to the top position, right, general manager. But what do you have to say? You've worked countless positions in operations. What do you have to say to the importance of first working in operations to get kind of an idea of how the whole hotel works? Yeah, yeah, that's another great question. Um, When I was coming up, I hate to sound like the old guy, but like back in my day, there was a mindset to where like they were like, because that's why I did all the things I did, because people be like, you want to be a GM? All right, well, you got to know every department. And so I was like, okay. So I was like a front desk manager, bell service manager, housekeeping manager, and you did the loyalty marketing thing and did the sales thing. And um, so I think that still applies. I think that's there's something to be said for that. Um, as long as you have the right mindset along the way. Like always have the mindset of those of you that want to become a general manager, just know it is a journey. And um, I would I would just recommend that you have the mindset of, my today job doesn't 
have to be my forever job. Because a lot of times we can find ourselves in a job that you don't like or that there's things that are frustrating about it. And and just take it from me when I was like younger, I would just, I was on this, another reason I jumped around is like, I'm like, oh, this is annoying. I'm going to do something else. I would be really quick to jump or want to jump. Um, but there's value and there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of value in just being able to not necessarily get a new job, but think about the one that you have currently differently. And so as long as you have that mindset, it's always like in the first book I wrote, I had this thing called practice the future today. So wherever you are, whatever role you find yourself in, just practice, man. Just pretend you're already the general manager. You're already the VP. You're already the director. You're already the executive. And just lean into it and just be like, you know what? If I were already a general manager, I would probably handle this this way. So that that's an approach. Um, but now you can also just like find yourself like becoming an expert in one area. And I will tell you that what I have noticed over the years is that most of these organizations, whether they're hospitality or hospitality adjacent, you know, like the airline industry, they love to promote. They love to put in the general manager, director, and vice president roles. They love to put people in there that understand finance. So real estate finance or, um, you know, corporate finance. So if I would, those, those of you that have that aptitude and have that skill set, I would really recommend that you lean into that as a finance person, but always to your point, Taylor is just, is spend some time working in operations, leading people process and product people process and product. It always comes back to those three things. And so with your finance aptitude combined with the people part, you're going to be indispensable to any organization. Amazing. So we're coming to an end to the podcast soon. And I just wanted to ask one last question. You've already given us a lot of amazing career advice for all the students and all the listeners that are listening right now. So I guess my last question and something that I'm personally very interested in is public speaking and that idea of you know getting up on a stage and getting the audience to believe in what you're saying. And I think that's, that's something that a lot of students, a lot of people in general, are very scared about. And as an individual who does keynote speaks, that does a lot of keynotes, all that stuff, what is your advice to a student who is you know, scared to get up on stage and, and present something? Good question. The most important part about all of this is, is, again, to be human. What I've learned is that audiences, big and small, people, you know, big teams, small teams, one-on-one meetings or team meetings with a lot of people, or again, those audiences, whether it's 400 people or 12, what they really gravitate toward, what they really appreciate is the humanness element. So don't be afraid to share your story. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable and share stories about what you've done well, share stories about what you've made mistakes in and what you've learned, because that will, in a very short period of time, very quickly, it helps an audience, it helps you gain trust and credibility and respect from the audience. And when you do that, as opposed to trying to come across like an expert in things that you aren't really an expert in, um, it's the humanness that they will appreciate and it's the humanness that they will like and it's the humanness that will make them respect you more. Um, And you'll find that the more you're human, the more the people on the other side, in the audience or on the other side of the table, on the other side of the phone call, they will be human all that much more with you. 
Um, and we got to be the ones to go first. We got to be able the ones to to be vulnerable first. And that would be my biggest piece of advice that I've learned is to be, again, it's these three things that are in the subtitle of this book. It applies across many different facets of all of our lives, leadership being one of them, but speaking being another. Be human. Emotionally connect with people in the audience and, and serve them. Don't be afraid to serve them in some way, shape, or form. Give them some value that something that you've learned that you know would also help them learn. And you'll be great. Truly amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Congrats to both of you. I love what you're doing with the Hotelly Podcast. This is awesome. So let's stay in touch. Absolutely. I want to be a resource for you guys and anybody listening. Reach out. Amazing. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, and thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Hotelly Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you.